Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Happy long weekend and congratulations to you for making it to church on a long weekend. This is a full house and we're so thankful for you. It really is not the same when you're not here. So we're glad to be together. We're continuing on in our series in the book of Acts, and it may feel like we've been doing this a long time, but there's a lot of ground to cover, a lot of exciting stories, a lot of ministry happening, and so we want to just keep learning together through the whole summer. We're going to be continuing in the book of Acts. So I hope that you're following along, and you, if you've missed any messages, you can always go back and listen to them online as well. But today we're going to be on a journey again with Paul, the apostle, who's been on quite a journey already, and we're going to be landing in Acts 18 and 19 today, where Paul visits two very important cities, um, cities in his ministry, but also important to us. They're the cities of Corinth and Ephesus. These are both churches that he subsequently wrote letters to that have formed very important parts of the Bible. First and Second Corinthians and the book of Ephesians form much of our theology as Christians. And so these were places where the churches were being planted, Paul was ministering, and they're very important cities where significant things happened there. And we're going to see a lot today about the fruitfulness of Paul's ministry. And that's really the theme of this message is fruitfulness. I think that we can all say that we would want to have a fruitful life, amen? I wanna have a life that matters. I wanna have a life of significance that impacts other people. And someday at my funeral, I want people to be telling stories of the impact that my life made on theirs. And that's because of the fruit of my life. Fruit happens out of interactions that we have with others, the impact that we make on other people as a result of our relationships with them. So we're all asking ourselves those big questions like Laura was talking about for GrowTrack. Does my life matter? What's my purpose? What difference does my life make? And so I would encourage you to take GrowTrack. And it's not the, the magical solution, but it's a way for you to start to discover that purpose as it's related to church. And so we want to discover our purpose and we want to be people that are fruitful. And that's how do we live out our purpose to make a difference in somebody else's life. And we believe in that here. That's why we always are talking about grow track. So a couple of foundational pieces about fruit in the Bible that I want you to understand. And we're not talking about apples and bananas and oranges. Can we also just talk about how much fruit costs right now? It's crazy. Like bananas are reasonable, everything else crazy. Okay, so we're not talking about that kind of fruit. We're talking about fruit in the Bible. Fruit in the Bible is produced in our lives through the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter five. It's a work of the Holy Spirit in our in and through our lives. We're gonna talk about that some more. Fruit is found in healthy lives, just like on healthy trees that have deep roots and a strong root system. And so healthy lives produce healthy fruit. One really important thing about fruit that we don't always think about is that the fruit is for the benefit of others. No apple tree eats its own apples, right? It's for others, and it's the same as fruit in our lives. So let's just keep these concepts in mind as we're talking about fruit. Speaking of apple trees, we talk about our apple tree a lot. It's like our prized tree along with Andy's fig tree. And so we have this big apple tree in our backyard, and it's a great sermon analogy because um, it's, 
it's this big, strong tree. It was there when we bought the house. It had probably been there for decades. Now the trunk is hollow. You can like throw things down in there and you're never gonna get them back. Has big, strong branches. In fact, big branches have already broken off, but there's still all these other branches producing all of this other fruit. And every summer, the apples start to bud and they grow and there's so many on it. We're not good gardeners and we don't like thin it or prune it like we probably should. And so... There's too many, and they fall off like 30 a day at least, like a whole bucket full fell in the last two days. And so, in fact, last night I had some friends over on the deck. We were having a nice time, and my dog was down on the cement, and like a cluster of apples fell right on top of him. And I looked, and he was like, he already has huge eyes because he's a, a pug, but his eyes were even bigger. Fruit was falling on him. It's a fruitful tree. It's a strong tree and has deep roots. It provides shade for us, home for birds, fruit for us to eat, and a little bit of a mess all over our yard. Doesn't that sound like our lives, right? We're fruitful and messy, and that's like us. And so let's look at our text today and see what Paul has to teach us about fruit and how he bears fruit in his ministry in Corinth and Ephesus. So we're going to start in Acts chapter 18. The verses will be on the screen for you. It says, after this, Paul left Athens, that's where we were last week, and he went to Corinth. There he met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul went to see them, and because he was a tent maker, as they were, that means he had a a job that paid his bills on the side, he stayed and worked with them. Every Sabbath, he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade Jews and Greeks, When Silas and Timothy, some other disciples, came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out his clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I'm innocent of it. From now on, I'll go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. Now Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Okay, so there's some good fruit. There's some encouraging testimony. It starts discouraging, as it does often for Paul, where he's run out of town, and he's like, forget you guys. You're not listening to me anyways. I'm going next door. But we see this encouraging story. Paul has his co-laborers with him, Priscilla and Aquila, and the entire synagogue leader's household believes. And then beyond that, many people in the city believe and were baptized. And so this is our first point today, is that the gospel bears fruit. Amen? The gospel always bears fruit. Verse 5 says, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching the gospel and testifying that Jesus was the Messiah. That's the gospel. That's the good news. When we concentrate on the main thing, which is the gospel message of Jesus, that he's fully God and he's fully man. We talked about it in communion. We sang about it. He came and lived a sinless life and he took on our sin when he died on the cross so he could pay the price we could never pay. He paid it for us and he rose from the dead, defeating death and the grave. And that's the gospel message. When we preach that message it will always bear fruit. Do you believe that? The gospel always bears fruit. We don't have to add anything to it. We don't have to say it in a special way. We don't have to be eloquent. Even even the apostle Paul says, I don't come with eloquence. I just come with the message of Jesus Christ. We have to be willing to share the message and believe that there's power in it and that the gospel bears fruit. 
When Paul writes his letter to the Corinthians years later, he says this in 1 Corinthians 1, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those that are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. The message of the cross is the power of God. So let's read on in Acts. In verse 9 and 10, it says, One night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision, and he said, Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one is going to attack and harm you because I have many people in this city. The gospel of Jesus was at work in Corinth. The grace of God was at work in Corinth, just like it's at work today in Victoria. I hope you believe that the gospel isn't just for this day. It's not just for old Bible times, this ancient city of Corinth. It's for Victoria today. It's for your life. It's for your family, for your workplace and your environment. Do you believe the gospel still has power? and that it's still bearing fruit, that it's for our city as much as it was for Corinth and for every city in the world that God designed, that God is still in the business of transforming lives. That's the foundation that this church is built on. Every person that calls themselves a Christian, hundreds of us in this room have a story of how the gospel has produced the fruit of salvation in your life. That's the very first fruit that's produced in you, is the fruit of salvation the fruit of faith, and we need to share those stories because did you know your story is your most powerful evangelical tool? Your most powerful tool to share with others is your own story. No one can take it away from you. It can't be wrong. It's what God has done in your life, and we need to be bold in sharing that. So I just wanna encourage you right now to think about how you do that, when you do that, if you've ever done that before, sharing your story of the transformation of the gospel in your life. You know, last week, we were up here and we were celebrating the fact that we had 27 youth baptisms at Nanus Bay Camp this summer on one day. And I am so thankful for that. I'm so thankful that every one of those youth is a life that's been transformed. They all gave testimony to the transforming power of the gospel in their life because the gospel is still at work. And how many of you know that to get up in front of your peers as a youth and be baptized, that's a bold proclamation. That's a bold step. To be baptized in the ocean, that's a bold step because it's freezing. And I'm just believing that we're going to have at least that many at Coastline Camp as well because people are going to say, God has transformed my life and I can't hold back. I'm going to proclaim it. That's what baptism is. That's why we love baptism services because the testimonies, because we get to hear that God is still working. He's not done yet. He's not done with Victoria yet. You know, I've had the privilege of becoming um, friends and acquaintances with a beautiful um, woman who we had speak at our conference, and she's a Muslim background believer, and I love just listening to her story. In fact, I could hear it over and over again about how God met her, how the gospel transformed her life, and hers was so unique because God met her in a dream. She was in her room by herself. She didn't know anything about the gospel. She'd never read the Bible. She didn't even know what it was called. And she reached out and asked God, would you speak to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? And he did in a powerful way. He gave her specific words. He healed her her body and he gave her words that she didn't even know what they were and she wrote them down. And, And this was the fruit of ministry that was already happening in that city, in that country where she lived. There was pastors, there was missionaries who were praying, who were sowing seeds, who were believing that the gospel bears fruit. And here comes this woman who's never heard the name of Jesus who has all these words that have been given to her that she wrote in a book. And she goes to the pastor and says, what are these words? Tell me what they mean. And he shows her everywhere in the book of John where these words are written, the words of Jesus himself. He gave directly to her. He doesn't even need to use a church. He doesn't need to use the Bible. She never heard. She said, what is that book? I want to have it. Give it to me. I've never heard of it. 
And I'm so encouraged. I'm just, I could hear the story over and over. I hear her friend, also an Egyptian believer who God has spoken to powerfully in visions and dreams. And I'm so encouraged that God is still working, that the gospel is still transforming lives. So whether it's in your bedroom by yourself, whether it's at camp with your friends, whether it's sitting in the pew or wherever you are, it's at Alpha when a friend brought you, God is transforming lives and he's not done yet. Amen? Amen. Let's believe that God is saying, I have many people in this city, in Victoria. I have many people in this city. You keep going. After God spoke to Paul, he stayed in Corinth for a year and a half, which is the longest he had stayed so far in any city on his missionary journeys. And this is important, that point. We're going to get back to that. After he left Corinth, he took Priscilla and Aquila with him, and he set sail for Ephesus. And he stayed for a short time there, and then he left them there while he went on to Jerusalem to continue to encourage the churches in his own region where he's from. Then he started his third missionary journey. So the, the journeys of Paul are broken up into three missionary journeys. Some of you in your Bible, there's like a map, and it'll show the missionary journeys of Paul. Well, in chapter 18, we start the third journey where he traveled throughout Asia Minor to preach to the churches there build the churches, preach the gospel. He covered a lot of territory, right? If he had an Apple watch, all his circles would be closed. It'd be like, you should stop walking now because you have walked so far. And he did this part of his journey earlier this spring and they, they flew from one place to another because it was so far. They took buses for hours and hours at a time and Paul is walking all of these places, building the church, being true to what God's asked him to do. So this third missionary journey was marked with the power of the Holy Spirit and by miracles. And we're gonna see through the rest of the book of Acts so many miraculous stories. So that brings us to our second point. The gospel bears fruit and secondly, the Holy Spirit bears fruit. In chapter 19, Paul arrives back in Ephesus where he stays planted for a while. And Ephesus is this very wealthy port city. It's a gateway to Asia. It's at the mouth of the river where all the trade routes come and they call it the treasure house of Asia. The greatest glory of the city of Ephesus was the temple of Artemis. She's the goddess, the Greek goddess of fertility, a very pagan god, a pagan city. There is shrines and all sorts of very inappropriate figures that they would sell and worship. And, and this temple was one of the seven ancient wonders of the world. It was a center of pagan superstition. It was famous for charms and spells in Ephesus. And so they were spiritual people. And, and it's interesting that in a city that was very spiritual but very pagan, the Holy Spirit is very active. And I believe that God uses that openness to spiritual things as a gateway to display his power. Sometimes we get scared and we think like, oh, that city is very dark. And, and I've heard people say that about Victoria. When my family moved here, I know people told us this is a dark city. There's lots of demonic activity. And, and you know, it, it made me feel scared as a teenager. I didn't know what that meant. But I'm recognizing now, I'm believing that when there's an openness to spiritual things, it's not something for us to fear. It's a gateway for the Holy Spirit to do his work because every city belongs to him. Every city is filled with his people and he can display his power in that place. So let's read on in Acts chapter 19. It says, while Apostle was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no, we've not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. 
On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. So here we see this group of men who were believers in Jesus, but they hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit or about his power that he brings. And they're what you might call incomplete Christians, because without the Holy Spirit, there's no such thing as the completeness of Christianity. He brings completeness. The power of the Holy Spirit here is bringing miracles. They're speaking in tongues. They're prophesying. There's, there's miraculous things happening. But I want you to know that the power of the Holy Spirit is not just for miracles. It's for the power to produce fruit in you and to transform lives so that then you can go on and help transform someone else's life through the power of the Holy Spirit. So your faith like these men, isn't just a belief system. It isn't just some lines on a paper and like that's, that's the way I live, that's what I believe. It has to be active, it has to be growing, it has to be producing fruit in your life and that's what the Holy Spirit does. We see in every story that Paul was completely submitted to the Holy Spirit. In where he was to go next, he'd ask the Lord and the Spirit would direct him. In how long he should stay, the Spirit would tell him. He was completely in tune and submitted to the Holy Spirit. And because of that, we see all of this fruit produced in his life for the benefit of others. You know, Paul, Paul was very exceptional, but he wasn't special in that he didn't have access to something that we don't have access to. We have that same spirit, that same spirit that was in Paul and produced miracles, the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead is in us. And so I want you to believe, have great faith today and believe that God could do miracles through you. God can produce fruit that transforms lives through you. If we read on in Acts 19, it says, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Well, that's powerful. That's actually even more powerful than some of the ministry we saw of Jesus where someone touched his robe and he was healed. This is a handkerchief. Paul wasn't even with this person. It was taken to them and they were healed because they could touch it because the power of the spirit went, went out from him. And we have access to that same power. Ephesus was the most fruitful church in this region, in Asia Minor. Seven years later, Paul wrote the book of Ephesians, which is a gem in the New Testament. And it's a beautiful book to read. And, and um, scholar N.T. Wright calls Ephesians a breathtaking view of the entire landscape of the Bible. So Paul was writing this later in his ministry to this jewel of a church in Ephesus. And, and out of that church in Ephesus, another church was planted in Colossae. And, and we have the book of Colossians out of that. So there's so much fruit being produced in the life of one man through him, which transformed the people in one city whose church then became foundational for our faith today. Isn't that incredible? the life of one man, and we're still reaping the benefits. Every church in the world that's Bible-believing is reading the book of Ephesians to this day because of the fruit of Paul's life. Do you have faith today to believe that the Holy Spirit could do that kind of work in you? That takes great faith. He has to do a deep work in you before he can do a deep work through you. We've said this many times, but that work that we see, the fruit in Paul's life, it started years before that, when he spent several years one-on-one -on -one in the wilderness, alone with Jesus, being discipled by him, the deep work, the deep work that we all have to do in our own lives first before God can use us. So I just want to challenge you today. Are you submitted to the Holy Spirit in your life? Is he speaking to you? Because he wants to. He has things to say to us. 
And when he speaks to you, are you obeying it? Even when it's hard. Is the Holy Spirit producing fruit through your life? Are the people around you different because of you? Is your perspective different? You notice I'm not asking, are your circumstances different? Because Paul's circumstances were still pretty harsh. He's still getting thrown out of places. He's still getting beaten. He's still getting shipwrecked. He's like getting bitten by snakes. And there's lots more to come. Lots more hardship to come. His circumstances didn't change. They weren't all rosy. But his perspective had changed. Fruit was being born beyond that city and beyond that church for all of time to come. Paul stayed in Ephesus for three years, and that was the longest that he stayed anywhere to minister. And I really believe that, that there's, there's fruit because of that. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. He started preaching in the synagogue, like it said, and then when they refused to believe, he started teaching daily in a lecture hall of a, a local philosopher. And some, some scholars say he preached there twice a day for two years. Every single day he went and he preached to anyone that would listen. Acts 19.10 tells us that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, that's a big area, they heard the word of the Lord. Acts 19.20 says the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. You see the gospel bearing fruit and you see the Holy Spirit bearing fruit and he wants to do the same in your life. One more theme we see, and it ties into how long Paul stayed in these two places, is that longevity also bears fruit. Longevity bears fruit. There's a longevity to Paul's ministry in these places, and so much fruit comes, I believe, as a direct result of that. Scholars say that the church in Ephesus was one of the most well-taught churches that ever existed. That's the fruit of longevity. You know, we live in a culture that is obsessed with quick fixes. It wants everything fast and, and short-term distractions. And we have, we have so much around us distracting us and vying for attention and flipping from this to that. But we still, in the midst of that, have so many examples of where longevity bears fruit. We don't have to look very far to see it. This church is an example of longevity bearing fruit. We've been talking about it. We're looking forward to it. In October, we're going to be celebrating our 100-year anniversary of this church ministering in this city. And what a beautiful celebration of longevity, of being rooted in a place, of not moving, of saying we're staying faithful to the vision that God gave to our ancestors a hundred years ago, and we're still doing it today. And that's something to celebrate, church. So we are part of a great church that displays longevity. Every Sunday that you're here, you're part of that story. You know, the staff at our church, the pastors at our church, it's an uncommon story. Many pastors minister in places for a year or two years or a couple of years and they move on and there are many, many churches and, and we honor them for that. But I also honor the longevity of our pastors in this church. You know, Pastor Ron, who is the lead pastor before Andy, started here 34 years ago and he's still ministering in our congregation today. We honored him in the first service. Yeah. And our very own beloved Andy started 21 years ago as the young, handsome youth pastor with no gray hairs. Now he's still handsome, a few more gray hairs, still bearing fruit. The longevity of ministry is incredible, and we get to reap the benefits of that. So our church, we see the fruit of longevity in marriages. 
You know, I hope that you can see some marriages that bear the fruit of longevity in a family, in a community. Beyond those two people, you all know that the fruit goes beyond just the relationship. It goes to all those around, all the generations, everyone surrounding them. The longevity in a marriage is beautiful fruit that is enjoyed by everybody. Your endurance matters, church. Your faithfulness matters. It affects other people's life. In sports, there's so many examples of how longevity bears fruit. You know, putting in the hard work day after day, practice after practice, week after week, year after year. I love when the Olympics are on because I love the stories. I love those special features they do on the athlete where they, they're like showing them getting up in the dark and going out to, you know, row in the dark or whatever it is. Their disciplined um, diet, their trainers, their exercise, all the things for years and years as they're trying to achieve a dream. I love those stories. It's so inspirational um, because they have a clear goal in mind and they're sacrificing in the long term to achieve that goal. You know, one of my son's favorite hockey players in the NHL is Patrick Kane. And I was looking up some stories about him and he was always the smallest kid, but he was always the best player. Even people who played with him like when he was 10 and 11 years old were like, he's the smallest, but he's the best. And the best because he never got off the ice. 350 days a year, he was on the ice multiple times. Not just one time. I guess he went to school and like had other things in his life. I don't know. But this kid was always on the ice. And when he wasn't, he was in his basement in a full-size like arena that they set up with cement floors. You could slide around on your socks and two nets. His friends all said, you know, we had, we had uh, set up in our basement with one net, but he had two nets so you could actually play. You could really practice. He took every camp. He took every clinic. And his teammates said he'd be the kid that would take the camp the hockey camp, and then everyone would get off the ice and he'd stay on and practice with the next group that came out. There was longevity. He just did it day after day. He was grinding because he had a goal in mind. He wanted to achieve his goal of being in the NHL and being one of the best players in the world, and he did it. And so what is it that God's put in your heart? What is it that God's asking you to stick out and stick with at work, in your relationships, maybe your sports career, your ministry that God's given you, a dream in your heart. It's not all glamorous. Every day is not glamorous. It was not glamorous for Paul, and it's not all glamorous for us, but there's a principle in God's word about longevity that I don't want us to miss, and that's longevity matters. Longevity bears fruit. Incredible fruit is the result of staying the course, of not faltering, of not losing focus, of not shifting with the times, but being people who are unusually committed and unusually dedicated to our faith journey and to what God has called us to do. So church, don't give up. What is that thing for you that God's calling you to say, stick with it? It matters. Keep doing it. Don't stop. Do you have the eyes of faith today to see that what you do today matters for somebody else tomorrow? Maybe someone you don't even know yet. Maybe someone you'll never even meet. Do you have the eyes of faith to believe that your children and your grandchildren and all those who are coming after you spiritually are reaping the benefit of the fruit in your life? Because the gospel is real. The gospel is a true story and the Holy Spirit is working and producing fruit in us and our job is to remain active and to remain faithful and to be rooted in the deep work of Christ in our lives, like a healthy branch connected to a tree with deep roots that produces good fruit for others to enjoy. That's our job. 
So stay faithful, church. Stay the course. Don't give up. That hard thing that you're doing, it's worth it. And you are creating a legacy for those that come after you. A legacy through your life that maybe only eternity will fully reveal. So I just hope you feel encouraged today. Paul ran the hard race and it mattered and it made a difference and we still get the benefits of it. And your life doesn't have to be any different. God's calling you to something great. He wants to use your life in a powerful way. And so just believe that God is working through your story, that he's working through his Holy Spirit and that he's working through you sticking with what he's called you to do. I'd love to pray for you today. And even as as you close your eyes and bow your heads, would you even let the Holy Spirit speak to you now about what it is that God's speaking into your life, the encouragement that he's giving you, the reminder that he's giving you through his word to keep on going, to not give up, that he is good and faithful. And so Jesus, we love you. We honor you. We know that you are faithful. And so we wanna be people that are faithful. We are committed to your word and to your ways. And so would you help us? Would you strengthen your church to do the work that you've called us to do no matter how hard it is? Lord, we wanna see fruit from our lives, from our ministry, from what we've, you've asked us to do. Lord, I pray for strength and for vision for your church. Would you open our eyes and give us eyes of faith to see that you're not done, that you're using us, that what we do matters. And that, Holy Spirit, you're going to do great things through us. And so we submit ourselves to your work. Lord, and I ask for the one who feels discouraged, who feels tired, would you just infuse them, Holy Spirit, with a strength that is supernatural, with a desire to keep going in that thing that's hard, in that marriage. Lord, would you just give the desire to keep on going, to do the thing that you've called them to do to step into the hard places and know that you are with them, that Holy Spirit, you're producing fruit through them. And so Lord, would you encourage our hearts today? We submit our lives to you and we trust that you're doing a beautiful work in this place, in our lives, in this city and on this island. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you, church. Let's respond to the message with faith. I invite you to stand. The team's going to lead us and let's just continue to give glory back to God for his great faithfulness.